Well, folks, you either on purpose or accidentally have stumbled onto Full Contact Cannabis once again. And this wonderful cannabis podcast is sponsored by Tennessee Homegrown. And I'm sitting down here talking with my partner, Mark Stepp of Uppercut Media. Howdy, Mark. Hello, sir. How are you today? As well as a man of my age should expect. Oh, now, now, now. But I am enjoying the unseasonably warm weather here in Middle Tennessee. And I would assume you're in, I think, I never know where you are, but I'm going to verify you're in Kentucky today. Yes, I'm in Lexington visiting my parents for the holiday. It's actually cold up here. Oh, my goodness. It's like 60 down here. You know, it's... I think today's high is like 41, 42. All right. That's Christmassy. Yes, it is. <laughs> you know, damn it. It's supposed to be 70 in Nashville on wow. Christmas Day. That's not Christmas. Thank goodness there's no global warming. Yes. Who knows how, how hot it would have been. First of all, our little podcast today is about a kind of a revamp looking back over the, the last year in cannabis and in communication. Ooh, so, 2021. What a year. Yeah, looking at it in the rearview mirror. We kind of always talk cannabis, but there is more in cannabis. I don't know if anybody, if we ever really explain what you do in your day job, because we certainly don't make enough money off of full contact cannabis to support ourselves. Uh, <laughs> it, we got our dreams. Okay. okay. Um, Hang on to them. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to kind of introduce a little bit more about you is in that you're in show business. Yeah. And most of the time you work as what we call a predator, which is the fusion of a producer and a senior editor. Correct. So and then occasionally you, <laughs> I guess, for looking for a day rate, you also direct. Yes. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I basically will do whatever somebody thinks I can do and I can scratch up a few bucks from at the same time. So a little bit of a jack of all trades, but the three areas that uh, you just mentioned were definitely my prime focus, bread and butters, mm -hmm. uh, multi-camera editing and producing uh, content around that kind of format and then uh, directing the same when possible. And uh, 2021 was much better than 2020, I will say. Hopefully 2022 will keep us uh, going even further. This year, uh, the events you managed to scam in, did you do the Oscars this year? Yeah, I did do the Oscars in February of 2021. Uh, ran the gamut there. I was involved in uh, Virgin Galactic's launch of the Unity 22 mission, the Super Bowl in Jacksonville, the halftime show for the Super Bowl with the weekend. Um, um, I do all three tentpole shows for the CMA, which is their summer fest, their Christmas show, and their award show. And then uh, uh, lots of other things in between. I've also started producing uh, the screen content for a show called The Voice. So that kind so, of filled up my year. Well, I'd rather talk about the rocket stuff. Sure. Who wouldn't? <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I just, you know, I'm sorry. You know, so you, you know, you got drunk with a celebrity. All right, that's cool. <laughs> so um, you, you did both launches for both Bezos 
and Sir Richard? No, I didn't. I did not do Bezos. I did get called for the first Bezos launch for Amazon, but I did not. I wasn't available. Uh, in the past, I'd done three launches for SpaceX with uh, Elon Musk. And then, okay, that was it. You were doing this stuff with Musk. Yeah. Said, and then, hey, I'm sorry, these billionaires with rockets. Yeah, it's you got to keep. Yeah, you got to keep your billionaires with uh, go juice uh, for space and in line. And then I ended up doing the Unity 22 launch with uh, Richard Branson. And um, okay, so which was the coolest uh, rocket launches? To do your thing, um, probably probably the Unity Twenty Two because it was at uh, what they call Spaceport America, which is uh, about an hour and a half northwest of, um, well, pretty much straight north of Las Cruces, New Mexico, and we were on site um, with the rocket or flying machine. Really, it's not; it's sort of a rocket attached to an airplane. Um, so we were there for a week. So we were around the activity the whole time. So, and it was very transparent. We got up close to it and met a lot of great people and uh, had a great crew of people there and um, ended up being a successful launch and landing. So, I, you know, this is full contact cannabis. So you get asked hard questions. So while you're doing these rocket things, do your testosterone go up? Of course. Yeah, of course. How's a little extra pep to your step? Yeah, and the, uh, you know, New Mexico is a uh, uh, MedRec state now. <laughs> Several people on the crew that came from states that were not uh, legalized um, decided they would partake when they could, and uh, it was no big thing to me. But yeah, it, it definitely is very intense. The, that craft takes it about 45 minutes to get up to an altitude where it can essentially drop the rocket and then the rocket launches from there. It's their method of fuel savings. So that 45 minutes is uh, pretty intense. And then another 20 minutes of space, very intense. And then it lands as a glider. So once it gets back into the atmosphere, uh, it's kind of up to the highly qualified pilots just to bring it home. And that's, that's pretty predictable. So. so is there like a NASCAR X aspect to uh, rocket launches that like secretly people are wondering if it's going to blow up? <laughs> uh, there's always a risk factor. Uh, yeah. and, and when you're not used to being around it, I was the same way when I did the first SpaceX launch I did. Uh, it's definitely adrenaline and a rush once it starts going. And uh, at that point, you know, I'm just there to witness and record it, archive it and make highlights of it. So my job is active, but at the same time, it is, you're kind of in awe of it. Um, it's amazing what they can do and especially what, how engineering has changed over the years to what rocket and space travel has become these days. So you did that. What other cool stuff at the, in the fall? And like I said, I know you did all the stuff for ABC and the country stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What else? Come on, there. Did you cram? Didn't you cram some other stuff in? Well, I did. Uh, I did do the Global Citizen Live concert, which took me. That was the one. Yeah, that took me to New York City for a week, and that was strange. It was the first time I had been to New York City since pandemic had started, and of course, pandemic is still going on. So, the city was a much different place to be than in normal times. Very quiet. Uh, very kind of closed down, finding restaurants that were 
open and able to serve street side was could be a challenge we made it work but definitely had our own challenge but that was a a 24-hour concert that essentially started oh uh, way across the planet uh i think there was some australia involved my my focuses were on the concerts that were in paris uh of course new york city and then los angeles it was a long 24-hour day i got to sleep a couple hours in the middle of it uh but it came off pretty good and it was for a good cause yeah had fun and actually got to see some people that i worked with that i hadn't really seen in two years so uh it was it was a good time too so did you smell any weed while you're walking around the streets? <laughs> Actually, That's what I heard. Someone said, you walk around the streets in New York City and all you just smell weed. I, I only had really, well, I had two occasions. I went and met a good friend for dinner one night, and that was probably about a 20-minute walk right up Amsterdam Avenue. Didn't smell any then. That's wrong. And then when, oh. I, and then when I finished the show... I had to go get a COVID test for my next show in Nashville. That took me all the way across Central Park, kind of diagonally. And I did smell a little a little bit in there, but not a ton. And then from there, when I got back to the hotel, I had some more time. And I went down to the water, to the Hudson. And I definitely, people down there were, uh, you know, New Yorkers are bold. Well, it's legal there now, so it's not that Ter- terrifically bold i really but, don't think it's legal to smoke it in public places oh okay i don't right. i'm not 100 percent sure but uh i don't think it is but with pandemic you know a lot of rules as we well know have kind of been thrown to the wayside well i've used this as a long-winded way segue into what we we're originally going to talk to about was the year in cannabis 2021. Yeah, because, and, that, and that was a long way to go, so I'll edit. No, I'll tell you why. I'll, I, I'll, I use I'll, that. Edit, I'll edit most of it out. No, no. <laughs> but there's a, the reason why I kind of wanted to do the showbiz aspect is because I was thinking about, okay, what are we going to talk about? We could go through the all the events where you can you can get a timeline and see, you know, states got, you know, got wrecks, states got taken away, all that stuff. But when it boiled down to, Basically, cannabis is like a soap opera. Uh, I would, I would definitely agree. Yeah, and and the thing about it is the stories. You can change the names yep. about what happened here, but yep. the stores are still the same. It's like really rich people with no money buy buy into a company they know nothing about. Yeah. While on the flip side, company that been around for eighteen months where they had a bunch of money, a bunch of arrogance, and whatever. And now they're going out of business. Right. So it, it's, it's, and it is. It's, it's, a, a, it's a little bit of a plug and play of late. That's for sure. And then also, how long are we waiting for the FDA? You know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, this is the year they're going to, they're going to make it where you can use as a food would, additive. Yeah. I would say that this, the cannabis industry currently is probably 17 burners back on, uh, on the FDA's plate right now yeah and but the whole thing about it is there's still overriding thing that's still to me driving this is this romantic notion of that i'm going to get in on this boom industry and i'm going to kill it in fact yeah i've met i've met met dozens of people like that nothing i love is that we're going to be over there and we're going to be killing it and it's just like what it's killing it you know take home pay of seven figures six figures (laughs) five figures 
what yeah. you know the whole thing and so as you go through this and sad thing about it is is that it's an also a revolving door and mm-hmm. that people who tried it with these people and it didn't work so now they're gonna go over here and it also has that other aspect towards show business not so much tv which what you do but very much movies because you have in movies as you know and you have been had had to come in and save their projects. People think it can't be that hard. We could do it, and when we do it, we're going to make a killing. Yeah, and I wonder too uh, in the cannabis world because you see companies move state to state to state and attempt and fail. And every state's different. I, I don't. I mean, just from an agricultural standpoint, farming in Colorado is going to be different than farming in Tennessee or farming in California. Everyone's unique. So the idea of, oh, yeah, it's just weed. You can grow it is uh, quite the challenge. Well, what I also think about, and you kind of touched on it, is when I mentioned about the people, is that they do. They go from one state to another. Yep. And it's like constantly having to find new people. I don't want to say to exploit, but for people who are looking for that little bit of edge as they go online. Like I know this one lady I follow and she's really good at self-promotion. And you'll see her in Michigan and Oklahoma. I think she, she was even in Tennessee for a bit. And the next time I see her, now she's in Arizona. Wow. You know, it's just like, okay, we're at, going to come here and you know it's all the same thing you know the the kumbaya uh the serotonin of the big deal yeah and then correct correct me if i'm wrong to me the only applicable state to state try could be retail do you think so retail is because the one thing about retail is although you and i know there's there are big differences between cannabis and food or beer or whatever well and also taxation in different states is completely different yeah but knowing how to set up a store how to package how Mm -hmm. to market all that and that's inventory inventory control all that stuff yeah i mean it's immense that you can do that people never think about i still keep waiting for the the industry to realize that they need show business and -hmm. it's not so much they don't need the celebrities Cannabis does not need friggin' celebrities to sell their stuff. What they need is people who are effective messaging. Yeah, and and as you've reflected on many episodes on this series, uh, marketing is key. But now it's not enough to put up a cute little pot creator, critter with the joint saying, come over and get smoked out or something. It's now going Damn, to- Damn, I thought that's all it took. Yeah, or, or a nice looking lady and a t-shirt two sizes too small a bud tender yeah I, no but i mean it's that whole yeah. you know here we are almost an adolescent idea about how we're going to market yeah let's stuff. do it like hooters yeah but that's where retail stores if they're a good business establishment doesn't matter like i said this has nothing to do with cannabis is you would think as you go along you get more effective with your messaging saying okay, this works, this doesn't. I mean, at Tennessee Homegrown, we put out our little promos and then you come back and you go, oh, that worked, why? 
and then uh, and so and then you go other times and that didn't work and then you go oh and and if you and get it's a, all, it's got to always be surprising too like well what it is i mean work. that that's yeah. the thing but if you do it enough you start saying what definitely doesn't work i mean if you run a certain concept certain wording and if people don't respond you go okay th this is not connecting with people yeah and so it's hard to be able to massage the message god that's awful Right. But it is, is that going in there and doing it and then having people who, God, and this is the hard part, is like yourself, right? Who can look at something and may not be able to tell you, okay, you need to take this, tweak this creatively, but I can tell you that doesn't work and that doesn't work and this looks like crap. Yeah, experience. Yeah, you know, and, and it is because, and so here this is going on. And, and and that's why I call this soap opera is because there's very few long-term companies. Yeah. Um, Charlotte's Web, which I guess is probably one or four or five companies that started all the high CBD cannabis business. Right. They are getting hammered. I mean, it's, they, they just, their CEO that I'm not sure how long Dini Eisner was there didn't last that long. Right. And she was out of there. And about a year, right? Yeah, a year or so. Now, the thing about it is, and this shows you how insecure the industry is, that they, Charlotte's and Webb, instead of promoting people from within, uh, Ms. Eisner, she was a Kellogg. So now they got a new guy who was an executive with Bacardi. You know what, like, do you know what she did with Kellogg's? Oh God, I thought branding. And I think also she was, she was, uh, her little thing was developing the international market. Okay, got it. Which I think, you know, because this is the thing about the cannabis companies now, especially not so much REC, but high CBD is, is that okay the the revenue streams had just we killed it on in 18 19 you know first part of 20 uh has gone right and and so okay so what do we do all right it's like i said it's like what we were talking about with companies and people having to go from state to state well i hear over in europe that market's opening it up so if we can't sell it over here or canada let's go sell it in europe Meanwhile, they're not even noticing China. And so, but it's, it is right now. And I mean, it's like, uh, we haven't really talked too much about the, the analogs. Well, that, okay. You want to say one of the things that happened in 2021 was the appearance of synthetic cannabis analogs and not because there was, which versus D8, which D8 really was customer driven. I mean, by golly, people got it used it liked it and still do and still do and so so now you have this well and and it, it was seriously there were people when they were first making da there's a company i will not mention because they were they were arrogant but literally they were selling so much da at first they weren't returning phone calls wow there was a list and if you didn't buy a certain amount in a certain way it was like uh, the D8 Nazi. No huh. D8 for you. <laughs> I'm serious. One year. <laughs> yeah. You, you know, and, and they were killing it. 
Now, let's flip one year, literally almost a year, because I tried to get some at first before Tennessee Homegrown developed our own protocol and did the research on how to make it. We were, you know, we had all sorts of people wanting, we want to we want to So we went out and tried to get it. Well, this company was one of the few companies did it. And they said, no. So a year later now, things have, this is 2021. Now that not it's no longer 2020, it's 2021. That same company got a hold of it and said, our customer records get that you made an inquiry into buying DA, all the low-hanging fruit. So now they're trying to find anybody that they might have been able to sell to and didn't. So right. that told you in the span of one year that the market flipped. So the same thing is now going on with the synthetic analogs. Self-opera. Like, well, it is. I'm going to find the next D8. Now, it might be THCO, THCP, THCHHC, THCHCH. And, and, and when I get it, I'll be one of the first people who does it, and I'll kill it. I want some uh, THC BBQ. You know, I was thinking about that. <laughs> well, think about it. Think about a brisket. Barbecue sauce with yeah. cannabinoids in it. Yeah, I think it's like a nice tri-tip. Or brisket with a I mean it's like an alternate sauce on it. Alternate way to get smoked. <laughs> but you um, know? I know. And I'll be here all weekend. Yep. Tip those waitresses. Yep. Uh, so now here it is. And and so none of this has changed. Poor Deanie's gotten tossed out because she didn't come in and be able to walk on water. Now this other guy, I guess he's supposed to walk on water. It's so strange with, with Charlotte's web is they were market dominators as far as press. You heard about them. Stanley all, Brothers. All the time. And then poor little Charlotte. Yeah, all which, the time. All yeah. the time. All the time. And then when everything got going, their success story somehow got put aside. It's really curious. Is it that they put it aside or they no longer think they needed their original narrative? Well, that's a that's a good question. I mean, I think the narrative question definitely applies to them, but it's also market awareness that, uh, oh, here comes the competition. What are we going to do? Which is just a natural part of being in business, you know, and I can't imagine they seem so savvy that 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 would have caught them out. We now one thing I can say, and of course, this is only in my neck of the woods and some of the stores that we had, we did notice that if we went head to head with Charlotte's Web, and I'm talking about Tennessee homegrown products, the same thing, that uh, we had a little bit better price, but it wasn't, we're, we're not cheap, we're not, we're probably yeah. some more, so, but we were attentive, anytime they, they needed customer service, they could find somebody, and if they had to get an order, and they said like, look, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but we ran out, can we rush something? You, you did it. And the one thing about Charlotte, Charlotte's Web, once it got so big, there was two things that started suffering. It was their quality control yeah. and their customer service. Quality control, once the market expanded and once legalization hit, especially with my experience in California, it was crazy. <laughs> Think about, though, what happened to Charlotte's Web happened to a whole host of people. You know, people can come in and vilify these people. And granted, there was mistakes made all over the industry. 
who doesn't i know but well let me ask you this too and you yeah. might be you might be heading there was any of those problems also amplified by legalization no okay oh no this was oh god i hate to say this and i mean it with all the love in the world it was a arrogance for one thing okay. and it yeah and gets, then it's all of us and then ignorance in the fact that they were having to make it up as they went because right. there was there was no when you know like i said cvs charlotte's web i know i'm missing a couple other guys i apologize about it but here it was all of a sudden they were had this little bitty market and and they weren't selling that much because the market was there and we know that i mean right. tennessee homegrown got out and had products before the switch flipped mm -hmm. and then you know sanjay goop just started doing some things uh in sure. 2018 the farm bill it just and then bang and so all of a sudden it wasn't a uh, 20% more people want it was double and triple and quadrupling yeah. and and you felt that you had to fill the production because you know for one thing everybody was revenue starved and, yeah. and the only way you knew you could get revenue is by by doing a bunch of merch so yeah. these people expanded and then and then the whole thing about it is is once you have a degree of success and you know this as much as in show business if a person has three hit projects in a row, it doesn't matter whether they were lucky and a moron or not. It now becomes reality. You're a yep. genius. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. The prob problem is doing three more. And that's what happened was you had three years of, of production. You went out and because of production, increased demand. Then you borrowed money to increase your capacity. And so all these things, and then the other thing that I really do think and goes back to, to uh, CW and to some respect is this having to look from without, with, within other organizations or other industries to be able to move to that next step. Yeah, I, I'd be interested in getting the former CEO uh, as a guest. Well, I reached out to Dini, yeah. Yeah. if you're Ms. Eisner. We would love for you to come on full contact cabs. And there's a few other people. You want know, let's go over the people I invited this year didn't respond. Uh Sarah Silverman. Yep. Seth, Seth Rogan. Yeah. Uh who else did I did that was like the well, I don't know. Uh, Belushi. Oh, Belushi. Which folks actually at first said they want to come on. And, and then, then they, they went, then they, then they chicken Yeah. Like, no, we don't. Did we ever, did we get a hold of Woody Harrelson's team or not? No, okay. we didn't. I don't think we I, did. Yeah, were you the one that's got all the show business connections? No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. That, that's something, no, nope. I do not. I just work in it. <laughs> okay. I am curious, since you brought up Woody Harrelson, I don't know if a lot of people know, because how long ago did Woody get arrested for planting a hemp seed? Oh, my God. 90s? I was going to say decades. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know the Kentucky connection and hemp with Woody Harrelson. Yep. As an act of civil disobedience, he went and called up all this, you know, the people who could, because there's more cameras than cops there. Uh, and he went and planted a couple of marijuana seeds. Yeah. Because I don't think he could get a hold of hemp. And then they arrested him and all this. Yep. So Woody is one of those pioneers, and I have no idea 
if he's still overtly connected with cannabis or not. You know, I don't either. That's a good question. Well, it is though, this, you know, going into that, you know, this is like a soap opera or Groundhog Day. It, once again, there's been a whole new batch of celebrities starting their own cannabis companies. Yep. (laughs) Why why not, right? Yeah, well. Can't be that hard. I know, but the thing is, I to like me, I don't know if there's been one cannabis company started by a celebrity that's profitable, excluding maybe Jim Belushi. And the reason I say Jim Belushi is because Jim Belushi has a bunch of real cannabis people in there and his organization. Yeah. And uh, and he's and he's you know he's up in Oregon, actually there, actually materially part- participating because you know that man. Uh, on his spare time does do marketing he's going around the stores but all the other ones i mean uh it's it's been amazing and they bombed and what gets the one thing it is and i love about show business is that usually nobody has the temerity to tell you is dude you're not that famous right right so now even all the celebrity alcohols too i mean kendall jenner's got tequila now and they're marking the hell out of it, but I don't think it's doing that well. I don't think it cuts through. No, uh, Clooney's tequila. Uh, he he kind of he's not really. It's his, but he doesn't really. His face isn't out in front of it, and it's actually very good tequila. So they're surviving on the quality of product, which is what should come first to anybody opening these things. Even now, I did hear there were a couple rappers. I cannot remember the individual names on Cypress Hill. Oh, I don't know them either. Well, one of them, uh, gosh, he's he's just an avowed pothead. He always has been. And so he was a guy that went down into Greenhouse, actively participating, saying, I like this and whatever. I've heard very good reviews about his stuff and a couple of the other, it's kind of funny, but the most of the ones that celebrities that have really good weed are rappers. Yeah. Well, coincidence. Uh, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But, also, also real marketing genius. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That might be too. Uh, but as we are winding up this year, we had at Tennessee homegrown, we really had no expectations of what, what was going to happen. We didn't. Right. And so uh, we made it through the year. It's a good year, though, right? It was a decent year. It was like one of the, was it 2019? No. Right. And was it it better than 20? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's that's big right now. I mean, 20 is like the big asterisk year for, uh, for everybody. Also, you know what else 20 did? that uh nobody you know really talks about much and i think maybe a little bit but in cannabis it forced people to go into the 21st century yeah it it definitely leveled the field in some ways and brought everybody keep kicking and screaming forward or what it did at tennessee homegrown was is that we really did not try to do any online sales we really weren't that you know you know, you know, we started full contact cannabis. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, it was these things that we had to do to that to go and it forced us out of our comfort zone to be able to go. I have to find new revenue streams. I have to find new way of reaching my customers. Right. I have to find more. I have to be able to, oh my God, uh, have a better margin. Sure. Because that was the one thing about cannabis. When the times are good, eh, you know, hey, we're making money. Yeah. And the mar the margin <laughs> issue, the, the margin issue definitely became more relevant in my business too. Definitely keeping my eye on it a whole lot more and trying to keep it rigid for sure. And, and so here now you had uh, all this going on. And then the other thing that COVID did that it's done in, in all industry is that those businesses that were hanging on by a blade of grass, they were gone. Yep. There, it, there was no, well, maybe next, next quarter sales mm. will pick up. It was and swift. It was swift. It, and it was yes. You know, because people had to make these decisions, especially brick and mortars. Do I sign another leash? And the, the same thing was happening for people who were leasing that were doing processing. The, the processing was another thing in, in 2021, really, really, really did come to a head. Because yeah. if you bought, had a two-year note, that two, if you, you went in in 2019, and you went in 2019 with a certain margin or profit, you know, I can get this much for a kilo of distillate, I can get this much, and those prices were gone. Now there was no way to keep going on. To me, 2021 was more pivotal than 2020. And this is the reason why. In 2020, if things weren't going right, you could say, well, it's the pandemic. Yeah, you had an excuse. Right. You know, whether you're meeting Mark, you know, your whatever you had to do, you could do it. This year, there wasn't that. Right. And so, you know, it's like, and also realizing that this might be the new normal. Yeah. And now with uh, Omicron, it might not be. Well, but what I'm saying is, is that this virus is going to here, going to be here. Yep. I have to be able to do my retail, my wholesale, whatever. And I still have to be able to do it in this environment. And I can't keep waiting for this proverbial, it'll go back to normal. And then I can do things the way I used to. Yeah. Who was the first person to say adapt or die? I don't know. They were right. Yep. And then the other weird thing is, is that I think a lot of people thought, because, uh, the you know, we can go about things that happened, but what about the things that didn't happen in 2021? Right. Everybody was in this both high CBD, high THC. Everybody thought, that, you know, this is the year they're going to take care of that banking thing. Nope. Nope. So here it was. This was the year the FDA was going to, you know, send down their Solomon-like records or their laws or whatever. Banking was going to clear it up. Big box companies and stores were going to get into the cannabis business. Well, because banking didn't happen, none of the big interstate companies yeah. were going to touch it. Yeah, that's three large ticket items that right. uh, were eventually discussed, but never were close to being done. So, also, all this we're you know we're going to get legal high THC nationwide. Right. Nope. That was the other thing that was supposed to happen. Joe Biden was supposed to take 
THC Delta nine off schedule one. Right. And it didn't happen. And quite frankly, and you touched on it earlier, I don't see there any real pressure to change it. Not right now. They got other issues. If they do say yes on this stuff, then they have to do something because then they have to implement it. Mm -hmm. And doing interstate banking for cannabis is going to be, uh, it's going to be the onus on the banks to know if that is legal cannabis money or illegal cannabis money. Right. Because that interstate banking laws, I guarantee, is only going to cover legal cannabis business. Of course. Yeah. Then the other thing is the FDA. I don't see that happening. I really don't. And the third thing, which we kind of happened this year, but we won't know about till next year, is the USDA taking over hemp and supposedly having a strict guideline that no flower now can be over 0.3% THC total. Right. Not just Delta 9 or A or anything. So all these things are going. So it looks like if I had to peer into my crystal ball, that the soap opera that we know as uh, legal cannabis is going to continue. It's going to have another season step. Yeah, it got renewed. It, it, it got renewed. It got picked up. Yeah, guess what, though? It's got to be better, and you got to shave the budget by 30%. <laughs> That's right. And, and, and it, could you work on those female demos, 19 yeah. to 30? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, and it is. It's a soap opera. In fact, there's so many people, and you've met some of them in the cannabis business. Oh my God, they're walking reality TVs. Oh yeah, show. oh yeah, absolutely. When did you first get into cannabis, anyway? What Me? year was that? You? Yeah, what year did you make your decide you're going to get into the cannabis business and did your first investment? I think it was 2016, as far as discussions went. And then by end of 2017, I was invested. Yes. And then by the beginning of 2019, I was divested. <laughs> <laughs> hey, but, you know what? But still a willing participant. But you know what? Your timing was excellent. <laughs> it was. Well, you know, some I of mean, it, it, some of it was me, and some of it was, you know occurrences that triggered it also but you know it 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 became i don't want to use the term necessary but it became an appropriate time well no that's the thing about it is and yeah. it is the nature of cannabis you have to know when to walk away yeah and 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 it was a soap opera I, it, everything about it was was drama and uh constantly uh, different directions and best laid plans. Nope. You know, it, it was, it was intense. Well, you know, that's, you know, we're talking about what I think the, the, cause I know the, the grower uh, CEO or the company or whatever, you know, there were all when cannabis, cause cannabis is still in its infancy. So right. if you're starting out, you're starting a company you try to find the person, the guy that grew the best weed you knew. Right. Well, he only was growing a hundred plants. Right. And yeah. so 
here it was is you have these people who are really good at growing weed and just crappy as businessmen. I think that's what killed that company was. Yep. Yeah. Lack of, uh, lack of vision for the dollar, you know, and, and it's called the cannabis business. It's a business. And, and so. he had trouble scaling up. Yes. Massively. And had trouble defining uh, focus of direction. Uh, like, okay, am I going to do this part of the industry or am I going to do this part of the industry? And there's a lot of meandering without much accomplishment on one. Now, I know Tennessee homegrown is vertical, but that wasn't by choice. That was necessity. So, uh, and in no way could he that situation, that farmer, that business model adapted to being vertical. It was not going to happen. Also, what suffered in that business suffers in a lot of businesses. Yeah. Um, he was arrogant. Yep. There's a new term for these these guys have been doing this for a while, all while it was black market and everything and doing right. a little legacy. Uh, I got referred to as a legacy. And it was like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, you know, you guys have started this out. And so it's really funny. The industry, in some ways, does not know what to do with it. Yep. It, it is. Because in some ways, you need that, that someone who knows the plant. But that doesn't necessarily mean that's the person you want to go from 100 plants to 10,000 or 25,000 plants. And so, so here these people get in position and it's like the Peter principle, you know, you rise to your own, your level of incompetence. Right. Everybody did that. Sure. And, and it was those people who were trying to run the companies. And, and so because of the one thing about it, you could, how far back do you think you could trace your lineage in show business? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, if you went through you, then you went to Ed. Yeah. And then you, how far, yeah. how many decades back could Probably you Probably 60, I would say. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you guys were there when they actually invented <laughs> digital editing. Yeah, nonlinear editing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's when I got in right at the ad. Right. Yeah. So, but that's what I'm saying is so there were these people that you could call up who'd been doing it. They could mentor you and had to some extent worked out the way you do in show business. Because yes. And there was no, and there was no Google then. But there was a guy who knew a guy who got taught by the guy. Right. And, and it was just like, I don't know now because I've, I've been out of show business as well, but there was a period of time you could walk on a set, a movie set, and it was pretty well set up and run the exact same way as the feature that you just came from. Correct. Yep. There's, there's still a little bit of that going on. Yeah. Well, that does not exist in cannabis yet. Right. That, that's true. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I still see ads for cannabis companies. And basically, they want you to be able to do anything. And then on top of it, anything I think of. So you have no expertise. You have no way of uh, the whole thing about intern with actually, you know, the way that unions are done. And people can get pissed at unions, and I know they shoot. They, they're not the best thing in the world. But in the, in the crafts, 
no one gave you a position that was really, really weighted unless you earned it. Correct. Yep. And the thing about cannabis is, is that you can have somebody who is dealing with a few thousand dollars and now all of a sudden they've got hundreds of thousands of dollars, millions of dollars with, and really no, nobody you can call up. Like myself, I'm serious. And I've been doing this years and years. If I really needed advice, hardcore in the weeds advice, there's probably less than 10 people I want to talk to. Right. Yep. I'm, I'm about the same way. So as we go into 2022, I don't think that there's too much is going to change in that respect either, because as every state legalizes med or rec, what experienced people get sucked up. It's like you, if you had, let's say blew up and you got the world's biggest multi-cam project and you had to hire 20 guys like you, how hard would it be? Uh, we get hard after about five. That's the way cannabis is. Yeah. There's just not that huge amount of people that have a track record of running a successful cannabis business. They're out there, but we probably don't know about them because they're too busy doing it and making money. Mom's the word. Yeah. Um, so as we go into this next year, what's your uh, next projects? Uh, let's see. Well, um, the first one coming up will be the, the Critics' Choice Awards, which is an award show. Yeah. Uh, and, and January kind of starts the awards season. So that's when the Grammys and the Oscars and the Globes and those kind of shows will be coming up. So I'll be involved in some of those. And then uh, Super Bowl right after that. And uh, then... Um, you don't uh, have to leave town for the Super Bowl this year, do you? No, I'll be local for the first time since I started doing the Super Bowl. I'll be local to LA. It'll you be sleep in your own bed. It'll be interesting, yeah. Yeah, and I don't live far from that stadium, so the commute will be easy, too. You're still going to ask for per diem, aren't you? Of course. Yes. And maybe yeah. some uh, maybe some Uber vouchers. Too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, well, what, I, I, what I should do is rent my house out through Airbnb and then tell them I can't work local. <laughs> That's what I should do. But <laughs> I don't think I have any luck at that. So Yeah. And then I've worked a couple Super Bowls. Yeah, I don't know if I really want Super Bowl fans staying in my house. No, I don't, I don't either. That's, that's a good point. And then, uh, yeah, and then that'll be the first big push for the year. And then usually there's a little bit of a gap, and then um, some stuff picks up at the end of March. So, and do you, when are you coming back to Nashville? Uh, well, right now I'm slated to be back in Nashville, and at the begin at the end of May. Uh, but there's always something comes up and there's a couple of things being talked about that might get me there a little earlier, but as of now, mid in the May kind of thing. Cause I got to mention something about, uh, Mark here, Mark for the last couple of years has been taking Tennessee homegrown flour and brewing it and making beer, different types, which have been, uh, surprisingly good yeah no one more surprised than myself <laughs> <laughs> but the reason why i was asking when you're coming back is that before he left he made a batch of spice pumpkin cider and decided to age it a, 
like six, seven months. So, so when he comes back in time, town, we can do the uh, uppercut uh, pumpkin spice cider spiked with Tennessee homegrown. Oh, you used the T1, didn't you? Yeah, we used T1 in it. It was it was interesting. The wart, the wart was a very interesting flavor. I wasn't too enthused about it, but I did open two of them before I left Nashville. And a friend of mine tasted one and I tasted one. And we were both surprised. I for me, I wish it had been spicier, but it still was like a pretty, pretty heavy duty pumpkin ale, almost a stout. Uh, but uh, I'll be interesting to see what it's like when it ages. Well, at Tennessee Homegrown, it's basically like Groundhog Day. <laughs> <laughs> we get up every morning and we see what orders we got, what stuff we got to make, and see if there's somebody who passed a law that will change our profit model. Yep. You there know? you go. One nice thing about it is, is that uh, 2021 was good enough to Tennessee Homegrown and that we have we're we got another year yeah you, you think it'll, the, you think it's going to be a model winter there oh my god 70 on christmas yeah that's that's a good sign actually. yeah it is thank you to all the folks that have been following us on full contact cannabis and we also appreciate the fact that you've been buying our products on tennessee homegrown for mark step of uppercut media and Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hemp Farmer, thank you for once again coming in and listening to us. And as always, keep one eye on the market and the other eye on the weather. All right. Thank you, sir. It was good. Fun. It was. Full Contact Cannabis is a Tennessee homegrown and uppercut media production. You can find Tennessee Homegrown on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Visit our website, tnhomegrown.com, for more background and information covered in our podcast. Post-production services provided by Uppercut Media and can be reached at uppercutmedia.com. Howdy, folks. This is Harold Jarbo, a.k.a. The Old Hemp Farmer. And I just wanted to thank all you people that have been listening to us, downloading, and also heading on over to our sponsor, Tennessee Homegrown, and buying their wonderful products. We can't do it without you guys, and we know that. And we will always listen, and we will always be there for you as far as our products and also information about our products. Tennessee Homegrown, once again, wants to thank all of you wonderful folks for listening to our podcast and buying our products.